It's Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I'm Phil Bliss of Business Visionary and welcome to Toronto's Podcast, part of the Canada's Podcast Network, your source of the great insights from entrepreneurs across Canada. Today, we're going to meet with Jim Estel, who's currently CEO of both Danby Appliances and Shopify. Jim has a, been an entrepreneur for quite some time. I first met him when he was a very successful entrepreneur in the technology business. So, Jim, welcome to Canada's podcast. So, Jim, why don't you dive in and let everyone know a little bit about yourself and, and you know, you know what you do, what you're doing today, maybe maybe a potted history of, of the last 30 years, similar to me kind of thing? Sure. So uh, when I was in university, I wanted to be a circuit board designer. I needed a computer, got a better deal if I bought two of them. So bought two and sold one and bought another two and sold them and then bought some printers. Next thing you know, I'm buying and selling computer hardware, software peripherals. And that was a business that I crossed paths with you. And I built that business from the trunk of my car to $2 billion in sales. Mm-hmm. Um, I then retired, moved to New York for five years. I was doing some board work, some angel and venture capital. I sat on the board of Danby Appliances. The CEO resigned and I said, oh, I'll go in and run that. And then they said to me, oh, they want me to sell the business. And I said, oh, great. How much for? And they told me and I said, hey, I'll take the business. So that's how I ended up owning and running Danby Appliances. So that's my, uh, that's my that's journey true. to where I am. So you couldn't stay out of it, basically, is what you're telling me. Yeah, yeah, you, you like wanting to be hands-on again. That, that's exactly right. So having a stint where I was not operating, I was still doing some, you know, a little bit of board work and consulting and angel investing, stuff like that. Yeah. But I didn't find it gave me the same juice as running a business. So when I had an opportunity to run a business mm-hmm. again. That's what I like doing. That's where I get my most juice and leverage. So that's why I came back to run an appliance company. So, you, so you, you know, you're a very well-known entrepreneur, and I ask this of everyone, and I kind of know the answer is, are we wired differently? Are entrepreneurs wired differently, or I, are we just normal? Well, we're certainly not normal. We're eccentric, and I'm certainly very eccentric. As a matter of fact, because I've worked for myself for so long, I don't think I could work for anybody. So when you offer me a job, Phil, I just don't know whether I can do a job because I'm too used to running it myself, doing it myself, you know, marching to the beat of my own drummer and whatnot. So I do think there's uh, a difference. And I think the longer you're an entrepreneur, the less likely you are to be an employee. Now, when I sold my business, though, I did run the company that bought mine for five years. So I did work in a corporate gig, so to speak, for mm-hmm. some five years. But I kind of did that just to prove that I could do it and just for my own interest and edification but my advice to any of your listeners is probably don't hire me i'm just not a good employee i i always argue that the most successful entrepreneurs get there because they're unemployable that's right yeah that's me (laughs) um so you said you started in in from university selling stuff out of the the trunk of your car didn't you didn't did you not have any kind of day-to-day jobs after university that i mean was that adjunct to Another job, or was that it? No, I started selling computers when I was in fourth year engineering at University of Waterloo, and I never went and got a job. I started, uh, I, I set that up, and that became my job. Although I will say my mother particularly wasn't thrilled with me going into business, my father either, but he said, oh, you're an engineer, that's great, so when you fail, you can go get a job. And I came back for Christmas three or four years later, and my mom said to me, so, Jim, have you got a job yet? 
like, of course, I at that time I was working 80 hours a week selling computers and installing them and servicing them. And, yeah. uh, and she says, yeah. have I got a job? You've, you know, you from, you went to school in Waterloo, you're in, in Guelph now. You've been in, you know, that sort of Southwest GTA kind, kind of area, the same as me. I mean, it's Hamilton behind me. What are the benefits of, I'm not going to say Toronto, of doing business in this area, because I look at it like an area. I do mean business all over it, but it's a definite area, you know, London through through to sort of Toronto, down down into Peninsula, Guelph, da 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 It's quite a, quite a distinct area. So one advantage I had locating my business in Guelph was overheads are lower in Guelph than Toronto. So I needed that competitive advantage because I was in a very competitive business. So that's always served me well. And I like the lifestyle of living in a smallish center where my drive to work is 11 minutes mm. and uh, whatnot. And I actually think uh, COVID is going to drive people to home working. Um, and I think it's going to be the uh, satellite communities to Toronto that boom as a result because people mm-hmm. don't necessarily need to uh, have the expense of living in downtown Toronto. And, and they like having a little bit more space and, uh, and whatnot. So downtown Toronto may have a little less attraction than a place like Hamilton or Guelph. So, I mean, you're running basically Dan Boots as an appliance c- company. What do you see as the future of that business? People always ask me because of my technology background, I'm bringing technology to it. And yes, we'll have internet of things around appliances. Um, COVID has made uh, great an explosion in freezers and freezer sale and even refrigeration at home because mm-hmm. people only want to go to the grocery store every three weeks, in which case they need more refrigerator space. People are feeling food insecurity and worry about meat shortages. So mm-hmm. they buy freezers. So that's created a big uptick in that. And what's gone down is nobody wants to buy wine coolers because they're an optional purchase. So mm-hmm. they go down in this time. And it mm-hmm. also is fairly tough. There's changes in channel. We used to sell a lot to hotels and motels. Well, hotels and motels are not thriving now, mm-hmm. but when you work at home, now you need a bar fridge. So it, it, the sales just moved from direct sale to a hotel to going through Costco or Amazon or Home Depot or- So the volume isn't changing, just, just the-, just the should, well, And I was, I was curious, because I thought with, with just what you said, with hotels and various other places just being completely flattened at the moment, um, but you're getting, if one's going down, you're getting another kind of pushing up. That's exactly right. So it's not fall off a cliff or anything. Uh, so we're doing okay. What I worry about is when we open up more, how bad is the economy? And when the economy is bad, people get nervous. People don't spend money. They don't have money to spend. Right now, we're shoring up the economy with a lot of government money, which is going direct to the people who are unemployed, but it's also going to companies who are hiring, who keep people on. But that's not going to go on forever. So we're going to open up, I'm going to say, 15% down or 20% down, and uh, that could impact sales because that's the normal recession. One of the big things I think that's happened is, is you know, online sales, which were strong anyway, have gone through the roof. Are we going to see retailers in the appliance business like they've been? I mean, uh, uh, is that something of the past? Well, I think absolutely retail is challenged. I mean, we see that with JC Penney's and Nordstrom and, you know, these big Macy's probably is in trouble. I mean, there's lots of big 
department store type places that are in trouble. So yes, there's a shift in retail and it is going online. As far as the appliance retailers go, the advantage they have is appliances are big. And so they don't necessarily ship as well to your front door. You know, you actually like having someone roll it in on a dolly and put it in place because it's kind of too big to uh, mm -hmm. uh, put it in a box. Is it more of the same over the next five years? Is there a big opportunity? Well, the big opportunity, um, freezers is currently 38% of the people have a standalone freezer. And mm -hmm. I think that's going to 50% and that's going to stay. It just mm -hmm. is reality that we're worried about food security. We're worried about uh, there's a little hoarding and people want to have freezers. So that moves up permanently. I think people are going to want to improve their living space. There's going to be more entertain at home. That means more bar fridges, more wine coolers. So it's not at all status quo. And as you point out, the channel has changed. People will buy a lot more online. Not going to be as much of a retail browsing thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the other thing is when there's change, there's opportunity. And there is change. So therefore, there's opportunity. You yeah. just as an entrepreneur have to take what is your opportunity. What's the best thing about being an entrepreneur that you over the last 25 years, what, what would be the best thing? Well, I, I believe that you are most powerful and most inspired when you're working in your passion. And when you're an entrepreneur, you can choose to go wherever you want. So you get to work in your passion. I would normally say money is a side effect. If you do and run a good business, the money comes along. Anyone I've ever met who works and says, oh, I'm in it for the money, they'll go bankrupt. The money is a side effect. It's not the uh, thing. Mm -hmm. People who say, uh, oh, yeah, I want to work for myself so that I can set my own hours and do what I want to do. My experience is if you want a job that is uh, easier than get a job working for someone else. When you work for yourself, your days don't end and your weekends aren't yours. But there's an excitement about it. Like It's, it's exciting, thrilling. <laughs> I, I mean, I love it personally. Okay, let, let's move on to some lessons, if you, if, if you like. What are the most important things that you would have liked to have known 25 years ago when you were starting out? Well, the interesting thing is I believe I'm successful because I didn't know things when I started out. If I knew how tough it was going to be when I started out, I probably wouldn't have started out. But because I didn't know that, and I was too naive and young to know better, I went and I did it anyways. One suggestion would be, I, I say, fail off and fail fast, fail cheap, or Having a failure does not make you a failure. When I look at successful entrepreneurs, they tend to have more failures than people who don't. It's like- Failures are kind of learning experience. A learning experience, but it's also don't dwell on your failure. I mean, you, you had a failure, big deal. It's good that you try, right? Well, what's been the greatest challenge you faced in, in, in any of the businesses today? Um, greatest challenges are for an entrepreneur, there really is no roadmap to know exactly what to do. And uh, COVID is a perfect example. What's the roadmap to navigate COVID successfully? We don't know. Mm -hmm. So the greatest challenge is the uncertainty right now. And that's the uncertainty that I feel and the stress that I feel um, every day. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? So you haven't quite graduated yet. Your 20-year-old self. You know, I would really wouldn't do things any different than I did. But I will say that when you're young you tend to fight nature i like to garden and i use that gardening analogy gardening is you're just trying to help the good plants and get rid of some of the bad ones and you just do a little bit to help it along and the garden will do fine where when you're really starting out you're 20 years old you think you're going to make everything perfect so a little less perfectionism and the other thing is i am um old now and i 
am a, very much a health person. So I believe you should look after your health and you're a multidimensional person and uh, health trumps wealth every day of the week. And it's a lot easier when you're 20 to uh, stick with the push-ups than when you wake up when you're- <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah. And, and you haven't done any push-ups for a long time. But You've had some good mentors, I'm sure. And I always like asking this question. What's the best piece of advice that you've you've received from somebody else on your on your journey? So, so the best piece of advice is to understand the difference between conditions and things you can change. A condition is something that is. COVID is. It just is. I can't cure it. I can't solve it. I can't do it. The exchange rate. I can't change exchange rate. I can't even change the inflation rate. I can't change recession. So those are conditions. When you have a condition, accept it and figure out how you navigate around whatever that condition is. Mm -hmm. When you're too naive, you don't understand the difference between conditions and, uh, and you start to try to change conditions. I'd love to change the exchange rate, but I can't change the exchange rate. I can't change duty rates. I can't change uh, COVID. Um, mm -hmm. What I can do is say, okay, what's COVID doing? How does that change the world? How do I respond to that change in the world? So just some quick questions, rapid fire, whatever. If you weren't doing what you were doing now, what would you be doing instead? I'd probably be a gardener or a cook. Even though you did, did engineering at school? Well, I'm actually a very bad engineer. See, I, <laughs> I became an engineer because my father was an engineer and because I thought I should be an engineer. I never yeah. practiced engineering much. I mean, I did some, but I, I didn't really enjoy it. I wasn't very good at it. So, no, I don't think I would be a, a hardcore design engineer. I'm, I'm actually more of a marketing guy like you are. I'm yeah. more um, creative and uh, I like psychology. I like the statistics around marketing. I like all of that stuff. So yeah. I'm actually more of a marketer. So I guess if I wasn't doing what I was doing, I might be doing your job, Phil. Creativity, creativity is a big deal in, in entrepreneurship. So what, what book are you currently reading or, or listen to in the last decade? One of my favorite books is Factfulness is a recent one. Um, mm -hmm. Sapiens is another one. Mm -hmm. both, those are both uh, excellent um, books. Power of Moments. I like all Chip and, and uh, Dan Heath stuff. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. would like that one because that one's uh, pure mm -hmm. that marketing. One. I, I am a, a execution guy, so I like the four disciplines of uh, execution. You probably like Contagious is another pretty good one. Another one I liked is Darwin Comes to Town. I guess you can tell I'm pretty broadly read on a lot of things. I like um, Uninhabitable Earth, and that's sort of a plug for the environment. It just explains what's going on in the world. I think everyone should read that one. Environmentally, you know, this last three months have been brilliant for the environment. Oh, you know, there's nothing we could have done to clear the air this much. Totally. So, you know, another question that I love to ask, are you a morning or a night person? I'm a morning person, by far. I do think there is a definite preponderance, but there are some there, there are some night entrepreneurs as well. And if you had to pick one word to describe yourself, what would it be? Well, a polite word to describe yourself. You know? well, I'm content. I'm content. And I'm happy and I enjoy what I'm doing. Is there anything keeping you up at night? Oh, sure. I mean, I've got a business. Everything keeps me up at night. That's just normal. I'm, I am... Uh, stressed a little by the current state of the world. I like, uh, I'm not a real big extrovert, but I would like to get out more and I would like to see people. When you run a business, I'm also kind of a wander around type manager. And mm -hmm. I really like walking through and saying hi to my people and whatnot. And mm -hmm. now all the office people are at home and they 
uh, factory people I don't even walk through because you can't, you're not supposed to and whatnot, right? It's uh, Yeah, it, I, I think that's, the, I mean, we are social animals and I, I think we're all beginning to kind of, uh, this is great, you know, but we're all beginning to, to miss those close up kind, kind of uh, discussions that, that one has. I, I, I'm going to ask you to descri describe some of the great things you've done outside of work and, and why you're so driven to, to work with others to improve their lives. What drives you on that? See, when I was young, I thought my, my goal in life was to start a business, build a tool and sell it for a lot of money. And uh, that was when I would arrive, that's success. And then I did that and I found out, hey, that's pretty hollow. I then changed my goal. I, I'm basically trying to save the world. So some of the more public things I've done, I sponsored 50 Syrian refugee families to come to Canada and it's now, I'm sponsoring them ongoing. I'm well over a hundred families. Uh, right now it's on hold because of COVID, but um, mm -hmm. that has been, I sort of became the poster child of refugee resettlement. You did, you did, yeah. And then when COVID happened, I said, well, what, what can I contribute or what can we do? And that's when we decided we would make ventilators. So we're helping make ventilators, it's a joint venture. So I, as we, our original plan was we'll design it and make it. And when we mm -hmm. sent the designers and the engineers off to design it, if they came back and say, hey, we can't do this. We need other partners. So we got ABS Friction and JMP Solutions and mm -hmm. Crystal Fountain and Bayless Medical. And mm -hmm. we're largely providing the labor to make 10,000 uh, ventilators. Along yeah. that path, we came up with a uh, air purifying uh, respirator which is a protect piece of protective equipment mm -hmm. so uh, we're not a medical device company but we designed that ourselves we're making um, basically making those products apart from guelph what's your most favorite place in the world uh you know i really like northern ontario and there's one lake up there that i particularly like and it, there's just nothing more tranquil than sitting on the rocks by a beach or not by a beach sitting by the rocks by a lake um in northern ontario that to me is pure tranquility that's i, I love that what are your three non-negotiables in terms of your your morning routine because you're a morning person you know most of us if we're morning or evening thing there are certain processes we go through so i always plan the day the night before but one non-negotiable in the morning, I review and modify and plan the day. So that planning, if I don't plan the day, I don't end up being productive that day. I don't end up being happy that day. It, it doesn't tend to go well. So that's the planning time of the morning. I'm also a health guy. Nothing starts the day better than a good workout, even if it's just a brisk walk. Another concept I have on working out is uh, it's a useful workout. A useful workout for me would be cleaning the eaves trough and, uh, planting the garden or digging the garden. I mean, it's, it's just physical, um, whatnot. Um, the other thing I like to do, but I don't do this really first thing in the morning is I, um, I meditate and I find that that's a way to sort of center and level my day. This, this was a good question, but it's not so good during COVID times because no one wants to be by themselves, but we'll stay with the tropical island thing, you know, so there's a tropical island in the middle of the ocean with one phone booth, no internet. We drop you off there with no technology, nothing. You can use the phone to call us at any time to come and pick you up. But that's all you can do. How long do you last? 
is a really good question. You, you know, I would probably last for a month and I would probably quite enjoy it. Although I'm finding COVID, my month's up now and I really want to get back uh, and out and around. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and of course I'm not in, compl- I am in isolation, but I'm not in complete isolation. When I, you know, go out and get groceries, I've stopped in the office. Yeah, done, yeah. Not done some stuff, right? But We're coming to the end of the interview. Are there any, I mean, have I missed any insights that you would throw at people that are, you know, either just starting out or have, you know, hit a wall like we sometimes do? Is there some kind of exercise or activity to get you there? You, you would say energy. I know, I know that. So I am big on gratitude. And what I learned from the Syrian refugees is secret to happiness. The secret to happiness is being grateful for what you have, not ungrateful for what you lost, not ungrateful for what other people have. And whenever I speak to anyone who is in angst or stressed or has an issue, I'm telling you 98% of the time, it's pretty well first world problems. Like, you know, we didn't hit our sales numbers and our margins too low and, oh, you know, whatever, right? But at the end of the day, we have a lot to be grateful for. The more gratitude you have, it really contributes to your happiness. And you do, every one of your listeners has a lot of reason to be grateful. Thanks so much for coming coming on the Canada's podcast. You know, lots of people hear this and they like to contact people. Don't mean give them your personal contacts, but is there any way that listeners can find you online? Of course, I have a simple test. If you can't find me online, you probably don't deserve to contact me because I'm <laughs> quite Googleable. But it is Danby Appliances or Danby.com. I've got a blog at www.jimestel.com. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn, which is a great platform that I believe in because it means you keep your own contact information. So just reach out in any of those ways. Jim, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Hope to talk to you again soon. Good talking to you again. Thanks, everyone, for taking the time today to listen to Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters or write a review for us on iTunes. You can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at CanadasPodcast.com, where you can listen, discover, and engage. You can also check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'll see you next time.